Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. And if you have your Bibles this morning, get it ready in the Matthew chapter 5. If not, we have it on the bulletin. I'm not hitting the scripture up yet. yet uh, I'm just going to preface it that so people can get ready. But I found it interesting this week as I was doing my studies and really digging into the word about this idea of a limited reactant. You ever heard that term, limited reactant? If you're a scientist, you probably have heard the term. And what a limited reactant is, is a reaction that is limited by the resources that are within it. It's like what I came upon was Diet Coke and Mentos. You ever seen what happens to a Diet Coke when Mentos gets interacted within it? Head yeses, noes. I have no clue what you're thinking. You're, you're like, no, I don't know. I'm just going to sit here stagnant and I don't want to. Participation is the best way to get me off the stage and get us out of here for lunch to go to Bob Evans. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Brother Jim's hungry. Um, but what happens is you take a, a, a little Mentos, you drop it in a, in a bottle of Diet Coke, and it goes, and it starts oozing up everywhere. It looks like a volcano going off. And it's because the chemical within the Mentos reacts to the CO2 within the Diet Coke, which causes a volatile reaction that spurts forth. But it's always short-lived. Unless you're stupid and psychotic enough to throw a whole pack of Mentos into a two-liter, and then you're still going to get a limited reaction. You see, there's something that's being, or to be said about small parts in the life of a believer within the same way. You act like you're so finite and so incompatible with what God's calling you to do. But something that the Lord has been trying to get me to beat over my own head sometimes is that you're enough for whatever he's called you to do. And the one thing that stamps out and causes a limited reaction in your life is your decision. You know, let that sink in sometimes. You sometimes feel like a minto going into a Diet Coke thinking, okay, I'll be volatile for a little bit, but then I'm going to fizz out and not have any effect at all. I've seen way too many ministers do the same thing. They get excited for God. They get going. They get extremely going crazy. And they're like, ah! And they see a little bit of an impact. And then all of a sudden they fizzle out. And they wonder, what happened? And it's because something disconnected in their life. I mean, in James chapter 2, verse 26, when I quote it, you'll be able to understand what I'm saying. It says, faith without works is dead. I think sometimes the church gets a little less faithful and becomes a little bit more faithless when we don't always expect, to, or when we don't always see what we expect to happen. And I want to encourage somebody this morning. It's time to let the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, who has more than enough ability to do whatever he wants to do within you, to do it if you would just be obedient in all that he says. 
and all that he does because what he's calling you to do is greater than your own life story. It's got a bigger effect. That's why this whole series has been called The Giving Church. It's not called The Giving You. It's because your life is part of the whole process of God's wonderful story that started in the book of Genesis when he created everything. And when we get to the book of Revelation and we we see a, a midpoint that really hits in because it doesn't encompass all of eternity in it. It really just stops where earth ends and then where we get to go and spend eternity with God. It doesn't formulate and calculate everything that's going to happen when we get to heaven and we get to exalt him. But I want to encourage somebody. You are more than enough. And if you were not, he wouldn't have put you in place to do what he needs you to do. That being said, Got your Bible this morning? Yet if you'll throw the scripture up for me this morning as I read through it. Technology at its finest sometimes. And then it says, give to one who begs, for, uh, give to the one who begs for, from you, and do not refuse the one that, you would, bar- that would borrow from you. You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Those words right there are really cutting sometimes. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if, they, if you greet only your brothers, and what more are you doing than, other, or, than others? Do not yeah, even the Gentiles do the same. For therefore, or you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is Father God, Lord, right now, I ask you to just touch these words. Perfect. And be within our lives what you need us to be, Lord. Be within our ears what you need us to hear. And move upon our hearts, Lord, and let us become attuned to what you need to say to your church. But God, we need you in these moments, in these hours, and in these days. To be our guiding light and our guiding post in all that we are. And be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... One of the things that I have learned in my walk, and I always encourage anybody who ever gets into the church and starts going through the blind motions of it, is to ask questions. Don't believe what I say. Go seek your own answers. Go ask God the questions in your prayer life. And, and these questions have power. And everything that we are and everything that we do. You see, when I read these texts, one of the things I always ask is, what am I going to, what is it that it's asking me and why? And these texts, when we get into this scripture where it's talking about giving and all these different things, kind of like what we've been going across for the last few weeks, is understanding that giving is not just the financials. 
giving's your time, giving's your heart, giving's your words, giving's a lot more than just that. And that's what God is asking. But when we look at what Jesus is telling the people, because it was in red letters, we know it's his words, we have to ask God the really hard questions. God, what are you asking me to do? You're asking me to go above and beyond anything that I ever calculated would be right. You know, it's easy to love my kids, right? I got five of them. They're wonderful angels. They're perfect in all that they are. But at the same time, what I have found is it's in their faults and those aspects that I have to teach them what love is. It's like yesterday. I'm on the couch. I'm eating my oatmeal because I'm on this diet kick trying to lose about 150 pounds. I know you're looking at me going, you don't need to lose 150 pounds, right? Oh, wow, that's calling me. No, you guys don't have any love within you. But anyway, we're sitting on the couch and we're, we're talking and she looks at me and says, Dad, why do you love me? I'm like, well, because you're my daughter. But why do you love me? I said, well, I love you because you have this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this. But I love you ultimately because you carry the gift that God has given me, and I'm going to love you till eternity. But don't you love my sisters? I said, yeah, I love your sisters. And then she goes on and goes, what about all the kids at youth group? Yeah, I love them. And then she's like, what about all the kids in South Carolina? Yeah, I love them. Why do you love them? And I said, it's because... It's not about the intention of what they would do to me or how they would act to me. It's about the thing that's in my heart, and that's the pursuit after God that has made me become something greater. So when I'm asking God, God, you're telling me to give, you're asking me to love, you're asking me to do this, I'm like, God, what are you really asking me to do? And what he always speaks back to me is, just be like me. I'm like, God, like you? What? Have you ever asked God, God, you want me to be like you? I don't look like you, Jesus. I don't got no green eyes. I don't got that long, flowing black hair that I've seen in the pictures. I don't get the white flowing gown like you got, Jesus. How can I be like you? You ever had those kind of questions? Man, you guys are not talking back. You do realize we got a lot more time if you want to keep going, because I can go a lot longer. Come on, feedback this morning. Come on. If you're online this morning, text in the chat because I do see some of them on my tablet because I pull that up just because I'd like to interact with everybody because we do have families that are not able to come because they have car issues or they have health issues or they live in a whole other state in Kentucky. Good morning, Miss Betty. We love you. We miss you. But here's the truth. We have to pursue after who God is. And if we understand those aspects it makes life a little easier. When we ask God, God, what are you asking me to do? And he says, I want you to be like my son. It makes it a lot more palatable. But it makes the question that comes next even a little bit more dangerous. Why must I do this thing? God, you ever had those kind of situations? Why must I pay tithe? Because God requires it. Why must I go to the church and, and sit and listen to some worship that I might not always like? Why must I go and, and have to interact with that person that's sitting next to me? God, I don't like that person. Why do I got to talk to them? 
God, why must I go into all these crazy places? Why must I serve on the food bank? Why must I go and help out in kids' church? Why must I go into Walmart and have to talk to somebody when I don't want to deal with them? Those are the questions that are dangerous. And if you understand that God wants you to be like him, he doesn't always want you to always ask the why. But how must I go, God? You see, there is a struggle within each and every one of us, and I know that. Because we are always apprehensive to let go of the things that we hold the most. And sometimes the things we hold the most is money. Sometimes the things we hold the most is time. Sometimes the thing we hold the most is our opinions and our, and our kind words that need to go out. Sometimes the thing we hold the most is forgiveness. But you don't realize God is really trying to get you to waken up within your soul to really hold on and encapsulate the understanding that if God is for you, what can be against you? Better yet, he wants you to really take home the point that the heart may be torn in its decision. But God is teaching us to truly imitate him. I don't know. I need to say that a little bit louder a little bit. The heart may be torn in its decisions. You might be doubting. You might get discouraged. You might get just dumbfounded with some of the things that happen. But what God is trying to teach his creatures, his creation, his sons and daughters is to imitate who he is in all that you do. And when you dig into your word, by the way, how is your Bible reading going this year? I got one thumbs up. I got a hand up. I got, uh, uh, do you realize you're over halfway done for the year? Next Sunday, you get to get to Psalms 119, which is the Psalm of Steps. If you have questions, talk to Sister Mitchell. She knows all about it. No, don't really. Go hit Brother Jack up. He'll tell you all about it. But what I'm trying to get at is, it's the imitation of who he is. We struggle within our own selves to imitate who he is. But God has already commanded that we are to be like him. We're supposed to pursue after him. If you look at Ephesians 5 and 1, it says it clear as day. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. As beloved children. I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, I got you, God. You ever tell God when you read the word, God, I got that? Man, I'm reading that loud and clear today. I've got it zoomed in. It's perfect. Oh, you read my mail this morning, God. You ever had those moments? It's because God is trying to teach you. It's like my kids. My kids, your kids, you've raised them up. You've done some wonderful things to them. And guess what? You've implanted part of who you are in their lives. It's like my kids tell dad jokes because I tell dad jokes. My kids talk like my wife. The other day I was listening on the way back from Akron with Bethany. And I looked at Melissa, I said, honey, you do not realize it. She has the same pauses that you do when you speak and articulate words. She says phrases like you. And Melissa's like, I don't believe you. I said, it's because you don't realize how you sound. I've heard you and I've heard her. It's the same. And she's imitating you. And it's the same is true for what God is trying to say. Sometimes our words have to sound more like Jesus than less like you. Our actions. 
actions and our responses need to be more like Jesus and less like you. Trust me, there are times in your life that somebody's going to do something wrong and then I have to look at the Bible and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at Jesus as he's getting beat and whipped by the Roman soldiers and I'm like, God, you didn't go back at him and say, oh, I'm done with you. That would have been my response. You hit me, I hit you five times harder. But there's sometimes that we have to look at the one who is our ultimate example and say, God, what is it that you would have done in the situation? You see, that's the impact of the church. We can ask the why. We can ask all the questions. But I think sometimes the best question is the how. Because if we imitate God in all that we are and all that we do, we see it transfer into our lives and we start changing a little bit more every single day. Let me tell you, this pastor up here, he might be 41 years old. Yeah, I just said my age. But at the same time, I was not like this at 20. My mama could tell you, Mom, when you watch this, you could probably put it on the text messages or chat, whatever. You could say how much my language was filthy, how much I was a horrible young man, and I drove people nuts all the time. But she'll say she loved me no matter what. Because that's what parents do. Isn't that what God does too? He took a wretched mess like me, like you, and said, I loved you, that I sent my only begotten son, that I bankrupt heaven, because I wanted you to understand your value and your purpose. And that's what we have to look towards at all that we are. I truly love John 3.16, but I love 1 John 3.16 more sometimes. Because it says that we know, we know that you love because you were willing to give your life for your brothers. It wasn't about what you are value, but it's about what the value of the next person is in your life. That's what Christ exampled, and that's what John was writing down as his imitation in all of the lives that we go through. You see, it's a struggle every single day to imitate God. And God knows that in the torn decisions within your heart. And he's trying to wake you up and realize that you might think you have a great example of it. In our era, our idea of imitation sometimes is really quick sometimes. Let me, let me explain. Have you ever seen a computer and you go up to it, you highlight a text and you hit control C? Or you go over and you hit your right, your left, your right click on the mouse, it's dragged down until it says copy, and you copy it, and then you go to another thing and you hit paste. That's an imitation of the original. And sometimes a lot of Christians in our era do the same thing. Let me tell you, it has no value if you just do the copy and paste. For some reason, God brought this into my remembrance about the, the monks who would copy the original manuscripts of the original text that we read every single day. See, these monks would spend hours looking at it and examining the text, thinking about how he was going to write it out to imitate it on the next form. And he would be reading the words and he'd be going, okay, this is what it says. Here it is. This is what it says. Here it is. This is what it says. Here it is. And I truly believe that's what God is trying to get you to understand. 
that a giving church is one that's constantly going to the source, examining it, writing it down, and copying it over here to hand off to the next person. Can I say that a little differently? Sometimes you have to be willing to get a little uncomfortable. Let God come in and speak to your life. And then, as God is transforming you and changing you, you don't say, I came into church one way and I came out the same. No, you come into the church one way, you go out a different way, and that copy is what's going to get transposed on the next person and on the next person. But ultimately, it cannot look just like what you did getting changed. It has to look a lot more like Jesus and everything that you do. The church doesn't realize that. I've seen a lot of churches think, okay, I got the model. I got this perfect imprint of what it should look like. This is how it's going to play out. We're all going to look like this. But they're not going to this, and it doesn't look always like Jesus. It's got a slight tweak and a slight twang because they changed Jesus' eyes to blue, and they changed his hair to blonde, and they thought that looked better, so that's what we're going to be. And that's not what God has called you to do. He's called you to be imitators of the original source, of the original God who, who sent his son on this earth to transform you to his majesty. But we struggle with that. We hold on to it a little too differently because of the things within us. God, I really got to get rid of that out of my life. Yeah, you can't cuss. God, you really got to take that out of my life. God, you really got to do this. Let me tell you, when I was getting into the ministry and God had called me, I knew I was a two-pack-a-day smoker. And I kept going, God, people are not going to listen to me if I look like me. Remove this thing from me, this habit that I don't need. Take it from me. And it was when he took it away from me, it transformed me to allow me to look more like his son, not something of the world. You see, we struggle because the world looks so great in so many ways. We struggle with it. We reason with it. But what we have to let our hearts get led, guided by is who God is saying because what Philippians 5 or 4 and 5 says, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone that God is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but everything uh, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And let the peace of God, which is, surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart in the minds of Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and honorable, whatever is just and pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything of excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And then it continues and says, whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and God of peace will be with you. You see... What I'm really trying to get at this morning is that your heart might be torn with the direction you need to go this morning. With the decision that God wants to waken you up to. He has a plan and a purpose for you. But you have to pursue after it with the reasonable understanding that if he's called you accordingly and he's equipped you efficiently, it's time to use that gifting to advance the kingdom so that it can come. 
when I look at a lot of church models, and I don't mean to bash church models, I promise. What I ultimately look to is the main Acts 2 church to see the effectiveness, to see the power that goes beyond it. I can set up and formulate a way to run a church and make it look like it's doing good things. But what I've learned is that every single one of us need to experience his power, his transformation to allow us to go forward in all that we are. Because only then can we really understand an impact that needs to be said. That God knows the struggles. But, remi- uh, but Jesus reminds us to truly trust God fully. Let that sink in a little bit this morning too. God knows the struggles we have. But Jesus reminds us to trust God fully. And that's not an easy thing. Trust me, it wasn't easy to go all the way to Georgia on a whim because the Spirit said to go. It wasn't easy to go and take my kids away from all that they've known and go to a land I did not know to fulfill his calling for whatever reason I was going to South Carolina for. Better yet, it wasn't always easy for us to relocate to northern Ohio where it's all Italian food and not German food. Just being honest. It's nice to get down to Cincinnati and get some bratwurst. But trusting God fully. You see, we have struggles, but we have the greatest example that we can set for it. We have struggles. We have difficulties understanding what to do next. The separation that might come on when God asks you to do something. The discouragement that might be whispered in your ear by the enemy, like, oh, God doesn't need that. You just need to do what you want to do. No. We have the ultimate example when you look in the Garden of Gethsemane and we see what our Jesus has done, what our Lord has done for us, where it says, I am going a little further, and he, or going a little further, and he fell on his face and he prayed that if it at all possible that the hour might pass from him. But his words are exemplified for what we need to do when he says, and he said, Abba, Father, all these things are possible to you. Remove this cup from me and know that uh, yet not what I will, but what you will. Can I just be a little transparent? You ever had the moment where you felt God say one thing? And it knew, you knew it was going to hurt you. Like a job trans- change. Like, like you had the idea of who you were going to marry, but God said, no, you need to marry this person. Or better yet, you just felt something going on and you just didn't know. And you knew there was something going to happen and you're like, God, I don't know what this is, but I trust you in this. See, those are the moments that God is trying to get you to waken up your spirit to trust him fully. Jesus showed us this. Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew all that was going to happen. He knew at that point that all of a sudden that he said, whatever it will happen, it will happen. Whatever your will is, it will done. That everything was going to change in those moments. He loved the comfort of being with the disciples. He loved his friendships. He loved the ministry. He loved his mom. He loved his people. 
and he longed to be with them a little longer, but he knew the time had come that there had to be a transformation that had to occur. And he knew that the punishments that were going to be weighed upon him, he knew that the nails were going to pierce his skin. He knew that the, cro- the thorn was going to get pierced through his skull. He knew the anguish that was going to come upon as his lungs were being suffocated. He knew the mockery that he was going to endure. He knew it all. But he trusted in the whole story that was going to be unfolded. Let me tell you, church, If Jesus showed us that example, he did it for a reason. And it's written down four times in the scriptures for a reason to give you an encouragement that he is exemplifying a new nature that's not normal within you, that he's trying to put within you. And that is trusting him with everything you have so that you can understand the word perfect. See, I love how the scripture ended with perfect out of Matthew chapter 5. Where it says, therefore, uh, you you must therefore be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Let me tell you, when Jesus says those words, I'm asking questions. God, how can I be perfect? I'm an imperfect being. God, what are you asking me to do? Because I am not perfect. I have far more faults and failures within me, but yet you keep choosing me to do whatever you want me to do. How can you call me perfect? How can a giving church be perfect? How can we be an obedient people that are perfect? And what we have to realize is, is that perfection isn't something that's found within you but it's what he's doing through you. Because the perfect life of a believer is found in obedience. Those are not easy words either. I know I'm hitting you guys over the head with some really strong stuff this morning. But the perfect life of a believer is found in obedience. Obedience is something that we don't naturally or normally want to deal with. Trust me, in my, uh, my house, I got these kids, I tell them to do laundry. I don't want to. Go do dishes. Uh, go clean up the cat poop. Uh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. And I'm like, children, I love you. I don't ask you to be perfect. I just ask that you be obedient in whatever is being asked of you. Amen. And our Heavenly Father is doing the exact same thing in our own lives. And I have to ask you, this really, really hard question. Are you being obedient? I can't just glide over that. Are you being obedient? See, I've learned in the scripture where it says obedience is better than sacrifice. I've learned in my own life that obedience is greater than anything I have. Because what I've really, really, really held on to is that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God to be willing to open up any door that he tells me to open up because it's far easier than what some of the jobs that he might ask me to. But nonetheless, whatever he says, Lord, I say yes. Yes, Lord, I'll pay tithes. Yes, Lord, I'll I'll go do this. Yes, Lord, I'll give to this ministry. Yes, Lord, I'll serve in whatever capacity, even though I would rather be sitting in the sound booth running sound and electronics all day. Yes, Lord, I'll preach your word. You see, what I'm trying to get at is 
He's asking this morning, will you be obedient fully to me so that you can be the perfect creature that your heavenly father and your example has asked? Are you willing to be not like Saul, who was told not to sacrifice and to wait while Samuel was a little delayed? Or are you going to go and do what you think is right because everybody else around you is making a mess? Are you willing to be what God has called you to be? Because a giving church isn't made strong by the works, but it's done by the faith and obedience to our Heavenly Father and all that we are. A giving church isn't made more valuable because of the charities that we give, but by the desire to see lives transformed and changed. A giving heart is not one that desires reward, but would simply beat in a natural attribute of love. See what I'm getting at? A giving church that we're called to be is one that doesn't do it with a particular importance on self, but one that looks to the Heavenly Father and says, whatever you ask, I do. I don't get up here to preach every Sunday because I want to. Lord knows, I fought God for years saying, God, I am not called to be a preacher. God, I don't want to do this. God, I am not called to do that. God, I'll sit back here and run the video. I like this spot. I get to be unknown in every aspect. People don't know who I am, except for the people that put me on the schedule. So much easier. But what is God asking you? What is he seeking after you to do? Is it something where love comes through? See, Jesus was telling us in Scripture that we should let our lives be the example that go forth. When it says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? The world is like this. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? They love money. They'll take it from you. They'll get what they want from you. They don't care what your value is. They just want to know what you can give them. That's the world. That's not supposed to be what the church is. The church is supposed to be the imprint of Jesus in everything that we are. There's a reason why we run the food bank. There's a reason why we run a diaper bank. There's a reason why we run a clothing bank. There's a reason why we help out wherever we can. Why we open the doors for AA groups to come in here and meet. Why we open the doors for a counseling agency to come in and try to help people with their mental clarity that they need to get. There's a reason why we try to run whatever we can to be the difference. That's what we are all called to do. That's how we transform lives and everything that we have. But I have to say, we have to be different than whatever they do. We have to look to the example that Jesus set for us when he was all finished. Because in Genesis, when we look at the scripture, we see that God made us. In Exodus, we see that God <clears throat> taught us to be what, or how he would lead us. Through the uh, prophets, God tried to inform us of all of our messes. Through the, the gospels, we see the, the prized possession to be exemplified in our lives, in, in all of what we do, and that he ultimately paid our price. In the epistles, we see the heart matters being worked out in the early church. And in the book of Revelation, we see the promise 
of what we are working towards. See, what the church needs to do is be more keenly aware that our lives are never meant to be exemplified by the world, but by Jesus and Jesus alone. That means we should be willing to live in a manner and a fashion of willing to give it away, whatever is asked. It doesn't matter what our lifestyle or our heart's intent is, but whatever he says. See, Jesus told us that our lives were meant to be like his. One with a desire to see the lost saved. To see the lost saved. We live in a community that is so broken, so lost, and so discouraged. They need Jesus. What are we doing to help them? What is our heart's intention? Is it to see them saved or to see them out the doors? I truly believe that we need to have them all saved, all welcome, all coming in, to see the captives set free so that the the bondage of addictions can be cast away, so that, that, that generational curses can be taken off of people. Only then will they actually be able to raise their hands in full, unhearted, unadulterated worship to God because they are fully all in to Him. I truly believe that the kingdom of God wants to see His kingdom come on earth as is heaven. But the church has lost sight of this for way too long. Church, what we need to do is get our hearts aligned for what breaks His. No intention in it at all. We need to worship God because he is truly, wholeheartedly worthy of every breath in our lungs. We need to serve God because he's asking us to do so. Every single one of us. You think that the pastor is the only person that's meant to serve God? Let me tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. He didn't say, all pastors, I want you to go, therefore, in all of the nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father. No, he says, go, all ye. He's asked you to serve. He's asked you to be a part of ministry. Ministry is not just isolated to the church building either. It's an everyday life. We need to seek God because we need to know him more and more. Because when we know him more, he transforms us to be more like his son. We need to give. Let me see where I got my notes again. We need to give because we want to show Jesus to the world. What I really want to get at as I get ready to close this morning, if you'll stand with me this morning. Now, I'm not asking for checks. I'm not asking for cash. I'm asking for obedience. If you don't like what I say, go do your research and ask God what he says. Don't believe every word that comes out of my mouth because I am a human. I am imperfect. The only thing that makes me perfect is because I'm obedient to him. Because as I pursue after him and I see him, he, he, chases, or he changes me and changes the words that would come out of my mouth. What I'm asking this morning is, church, are you willing to stand up and say, Lord, I have been a mess. I have been a disobedient mess. Whatever it is that I need to rectify in my life, touch me, minister to my heart, minister to my soul, start changing things within me. Is that you this morning? Raise your hand. That should be all of our hearts. Let me tell you, church, you might think that you're perfect, but you're not. There's been times that God has asked you to do one thing and you said no. 
It's time for us to all admit our own faults and our own failures and make us to realize that a giving church is a thing that where we're part of. And if we're part of it, we're going to walk in the obedience of whatever He asks we do. If He asks you to serve on a drama team, go serve on a drama team. If He asks you to teach young people, serve young people. If He asks you to help out in a food bank, help out. If He asks you to talk to someone in Walmart because they are having a bad day, say the words, You are loved by God. Can I pray for you? See, only then can we be the difference that needs to come forth. Only then can we really encompass what a giving church is. It's not numeric at all. It's spiritual. It's not food. It's freed souls. It's not you. It's God. And if we could have that heart and that intention... Can you imagine what hell is going to look like? It's going to start emptying out. If we could start doing that, hell's going to get mad at us, and it will fight like crazy to keep what they want. But guess what? God's going to get the victory. I don't know about you this morning, but I am so sick and tired of hell getting more and more. I want to start seeing heaven start getting what it truly deserves. And if you're in with me, just say, yes, I'm in. That you this morning online say yes, I'm in. It's time to start putting our pedal to the metal and start getting to the work and getting our hands on the plows. Because only then can we see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, Father God, I thank you for today, this morning. I thank you for every single person that's here this morning. I thank you for all of those online this morning. God, break their hearts for what breaks yours. Let them learn that your obedience that you're asking for is all that's required of them and that they're more than enough. But God, empower us with your Holy Spirit this morning as we set forth this day that we're not going to stay stagnant, that we're not going to keep doing the same old. But God, we are going to start becoming the giving church that is required in this time and in this day and that you're establishing right now to see lives transformed and saved, see generations get saved, get, get all the dysfunction out of their lives. God, because we're not satisfied with our own comfort, but with what you need. So God, take away the limited reactant in our lives and put forth a wholehearted effort where we will give it all. Lord, we sing, I surrender all. God, let that be our rhythm and our our rhyme, Lord, every single day. Let that be our anthem every single moment we wake up. Lord, I surrender all. All to you, God, I surrender. All to Jesus, I freely give. God, whatever it is, I give. God, whatever you ask, we ask or we give. God, we are going to be the giving church. We just need your power to get through it, Lord. Because we don't want to fizz out in two days. We don't want to fizz out in a month. God, we want to see your kingdom come fully, wholeheartedly, seats full of people getting saved, baptisms every single week. God, whatever it takes, we want to set this place to be a a light that cannot be hidden, a city sitting on the hillside where people are looking to for hope because they see you. God, touch this place, Lord. Touch us all, Lord. And be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, Jesus. Can we just sing it with this morning? I surrender all. Can we get the lyrics up there? Do we have those yet? 
Here we go. All to Jesus I surrender. Yes, Lord. Let that be the anthem of every single day. When it comes to decisions, let that be the, the song that you sing. When God asks you to do crazy things, let that be what you will beat out of your chest every single moment because you're saying, God, I'm not worthy of worship. You are. God, I give it all to you. Church, I love you all. Thank you full for every single person in this place. You online, those that are not able to come, we are thankful that you join. But I want to encourage you to go and love the Lord God with everything you have. All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then, do the second part. Love your neighbor as yourself, that they would be free. Go and be the church. Go and love. Go and do what God's called you to be. Go be the giving church, and we'll see you again next week.